Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Good evening. Welcome to the March 12, 2016 edition of Researcher 135's Community Call Daily Talk with your host, Rich Bernardo. I want to send a shout out to last week's guest, Jake Carter, who talked to us about the assassinations of Tupac Shakur and of Biggie Smalls, whom he is now researching. Uh, it was a great show, and we want to thank you, Jake Carter, for being here. He has a book out, too call Before History Dies about the JFK assassination. Our interesting and exciting guest tonight is going to be Frederick Zappone of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Frederick Zappone of Pittsburgh is the author of two e-books, both of which are available online on Amazon, Love is All I Know and Life Insights from the Wizard. And whenever Frederick gets here, he will be telling us about his books, about uh, his insights, and sharing his wisdom and his sense of humor uh, and his life lessons with us. And so we're very much looking forward to our guest, Frederick Zippone, tonight. We're going to have many interesting shows in the coming weeks. Uh, Shivis Clem, the artist who did the uh, book about my bookstore, will be on at a point in the near future. We're still scheduling that. And next week, the big guns are back for the e-commerce show. We're going to have Dan Patrick, the e-commerce professor from Tampa, Florida. He will be coming back. He will be predicting what's going to go down in the coming years with e-commerce. We're also going to have my good friend, Jeff Sleed of VanGo.com. He will be coming on next week and also discussing VanGo and the future of e-commerce, and he'll be telling us uh, not only what he sees on the horizon, but what's been going on uh, in the coming, what will be going on in the coming months. And then, of course, we're going to be talking about, uh, well, what can I say? The, the the past few months and years, the email fiasco, of course, which led to the creation of uh, Van Gogh. And I would like to urge everyone who's listened to the past e-commerce shows to um, be here to ask questions, uh, to listen closely to what Dan Patrick is telling you, because these guys know their stuff. Whenever, and I, and I want to, I want to definitely send a shout out to Jeff Sleed, who uh, invested a great deal of his own money in the creation of VanGo.com. And uh, it's growing by leaps and bounds. Lots of new people are on Van Gogh every day, new sellers. Uh, as a e-commerce seller with a, a history of 14 years on eBay, once I got finished with them and I switched over to Van Gogh, I have a lot of items over there. And there's other uh, many, many other sellers who uh, also 
are putting lots and lots of things on Van Gogh. So now that we've got the sellers there, it's just a matter of time until the buyer traffic also migrates over to Van Gogh. I see that on the horizon. Good evening, Central Illinois. How are you? Hi, Rich. I'm fine. Well, how is the weather up there in Illinois? Well, for March, it's not too bad. It's been a spring-like condition, so it's actually a little too warm too fast here. Uh-huh. Well, tonight, as you know, and I guess this is nationwide, at least most states are adopting it, is the time change. Uh, the clocks go forward an hour, which whereas we may complain a little bit about losing an hour of sleep, it's, it's rather delightful to have an extra hour of daylight every day, an extra hour to shop. The extended daylight, the extended daytime is going to be nice. Yes, it is nice. Well, uh, last week, I, I think you, as you recall, was a very interesting show, and, and I think you've been on before, uh, Terry, as, as a caller, whenever I've had the guests who are going to be here next week, both Dan Patrick and Jeff Sleed, and next week is going to be a, a really exciting and interesting uh, and great e-commerce show, and I very much look forward to that. Yes, I am too. Um, you, who is our uh, who is our guest tonight? I missed the first part of your uh, broadcast, so who is our guest tonight, Rich? All right. Well, I will be glad to recap for you. Tonight's guest, uh, and he should be arriving any minute now, is Frederick Zippon, and he is of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He is the author of two e-books, A Love is All I Know, and Life Insights from the Wizard. And they are both great and exciting and interesting books. He has, uh, not only does he have a, a Facebook page, but he belongs to a number of Facebook groups. So I, in the past week or two, have been able to see a lot of the really good and very wise quotes uh, that he's made on there. I don't have any handy, but when he gets here, he will uh, share all of that with us. But they're, they're life lessons. Uh, they're, they're things he's learned through life, uh, things he's realized. And I found myself agreeing with all of it. So, I mean, this guy is spot on. Uh, he knows his stuff. And uh, Yeah, you know how much I like the e-commerce shows. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, tonight is not an e-commerce show. That's next week. Tonight is positive thinking and upbeat. And so it's just going to be great uh, when Frederick shares with us. Uh, one of the titles of his book, by the way, is Life Insights from the Wizard. 299 Life Insights from the Wizard, and they are numbered. Uh, in, in these different Facebook groups where I've been reading his quotes, uh, it'll be like 179 yourself, you know, and then he goes on. Like I say, if I had some of them right here in front of me, then, then we'd be doing that uh, already. But when he gets here, I'm sure he'll read to us some of that. The other book that he has out is called Love is All I Know, and uh, that's going to be great. Uh, what will he actually be uh, talking about? Well, I'm hoping that he will tell us a little bit about his life history, if he cares to share that, and what brought about his uh, writing of these two books, and, of course, what uh, will be going on in terms of his marketing of the books and, and, and what they're addressing and, and how many people they're benefiting. From what I've seen, a number of people are already uh, benefiting greatly from the books. It's improving their lives. These are the type of books when you begin, and I've got a lot of books in my own personal library like this. These two are e-books. So you, know, so you download them to your computer, to your pad, to your phone, 
you know, of course, to your, um, there's so many different things now, to your Kindle, your e-reader, you know, all of those things, those devices that people now use uh, to read books. Anyway, these e-books are the type of thing that have positive, useful information, kind of like 50 years ago, Dale Carnegie and, and uh, Norman Vincent Peale, you know, the power of positive thinking and uh, how to stop worrying and start living, those type of things. This is more up-to-date in tune with, with the, the millennium, with the, the, the time period we're in now, the 2016. And I want to welcome Southwest Pennsylvania to the show. Good evening. Hello, how are you? Well, welcome, uh, Frederick Zappone of Cherry in Illinois had just called in, and she uh, has already asked a couple of good questions, but I'm going to go ahead and reintroduce you. This gentleman of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, is uh, the author of two e-books, Love is All I Know, and 299 Life Insights from the Wizard. So, Frederick, tell us a little about those books and how you came to, to about writing them. Well, the first book, actually, uh, Love is All I Know, came to me, uh, I guess, about three years ago, actually. Uh, my fiancé said, well, actually, she wasn't, she wasn't my fiancé. She was my girlfriend, and we were on a cruise to Spain and Italy, and um, we, got, I, <laughs> we got engaged. I wasn't expecting to get engaged on the cruise, but we did get engaged. Well, and, congratulations. Uh, you really were on the love boat. All right. Yes, yes, yes we were, absolutely. And... Uh, it was her dream to always go to, to Spain and Italy and, and, and in the middle of the cruise. Uh, uh, the long story short, her sister and brother-in-law went with us and they were down in the jewelry store and she came back into the room and she said, my sister found a ring. It would be really a great ring if you ever decide, <laughs> if we ever decide to get engaged. So I said, well, let me go down and take a look at it. So we went down and took a, uh, a you know, look at the ring and I said, uh, why don't you go over there and get some perfume and let me talk to the guy, see if I can get a better price because it was a pretty pricey ring. And so uh, what I did is I, I, I bought the ring, but when she came back over, um, I said, I got some bad news for, for you. They, uh, they sold the ring, and uh, so I, I, you know, um, we won't be able to get engaged. And then I got down one knee in the jewelry store and <laughs> proposed to her. <laughs> and, oh wow! And, oh. and the thing was, is that I was totally unaware that you know, when you do something like that in public, you know, people gather around. The, and when she said yes, everybody started clapping. It's like I was really shocked. But but there was something out of that experience, out of that spontaneous experience of getting engaged. I mean, we'd talked about it, but we hadn't, you know, said anything in concrete. Um, that really uh, inspired me to write about what what my life has always been about, which is love. Um, and uh, and so in the book, Love is All I Know, I, I talk about the whole philosophy of love, that it's more than just a, a feeling, that it, it's, a, it's an intelligence, it's a power, it's an energy. And uh, and then I go on in the book to talk about uh, how I developed the perfect, you know, lasting love relationship. We've been together, even though we only got engaged, uh, I'm very slow in doing things, uh, three years <laughs> together. We've, we've been together 14 years. <laughs> oh, you're still not married? No, no, no. Well, we're going on another cruise, so you could get married. But we have like, uh, we have like, uh, like I, oh my God, we have like in the neighborhood of 20 grandchildren and about 10, 10 children, and we're trying to find a cruise where we can all go at one time. I mean, it's, we oh. want to make it a big party. So, uh, But here's the thing about relationships. We're in a day and age where what's really important is two people finding the form of a relationship that works for them. You know, the traditional, uh, I had the traditional uh, 
relationship where you get married according to your church or according to your religious beliefs or whatever. And I gave it my best shot. It just didn't work out. And, and, and in fact, I, there was a time when you grew up that the way it kind of played out was you uh, went to high school and then on to college, and then you find a woman, you got married, you settled down, and that was it. And that was about the only option. Today, there's many, many more options. And, and so what I always encourage people is, number one, all great love begin with great self-love. So you really have to know yourself before you get into a relationship because if you don't, and if you go into that relationship to have somebody make you whole, you're going to have problems. And uh, so I've had plenty of experience. Actually, in the book, I talk about the, the, the 15 failed relationships before I found Bonnet. I mean, I had so many failed relationships that the EPA was going to find me for polluting in the environment with all these dead relationships I had. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah I, I can relate to that. I've had, uh, two, I've had two divorces, and the last one just almost killed me, even though we had no children. But I was just so, you know, terribly, terribly in love with him. And one day he just walks up and says, I don't want to be married anymore. Just pull yeah. the rug right out from under you, you know. And well, it, that, it is. It's happened, devastating. Yeah. It is devastating. That actually happened with my my uh, the, the the lady that I was that said that swore she was deeply in love with me. She just up and pulled the rug on me and went to India. This is before I met Bonna. And and but but the thing is about failure is it's not failure. It's how you learn. You, you discover what you like and what you don't like and what you will tolerate and what you won't tolerate. And when I came out of that last relationship uh, where she just up and left and went to India on me. Uh, I I made up my mind that I did not want to be in a relationship with any person one second longer than they wanted to be around me. You cannot keep a person in a relationship. You know, if they want to go, they want to go. So it's like, and so that's the way it's, and I guess the other thing is that the, the relationship that Vaughn and I have, we're in it by choice, moment by moment. Both of us have the freedom to say we're walking out the door and we don't have to explain ourselves. We that's the kind of relationship we had going in. And as a, as a result of always having choice, we just want to, we just, we choose each other. We just want to be with each other all the time. I mean, I, it, it, when I'm with her, I don't want to be anywhere else. Wherever she is, that's, I'm, I'm the happiest. And yeah. so I, if we do nothing, I'm happy. If we take a cruise, I'm happy. If, you know, if we sleep in, in bed and eat crackers all day, I'm happy. I don't care, you know. Just, so, but the thing is, that she's the perfect mirror of the person I became. You know, I went from a person who, who was full self-hate to a person that, uh, and, I, and I felt worthless. And now, I, you know, I see myself as priceless. I see myself as a one-of-a-kind, unique jewel that will never be duplicated again. And that's what I want the people that I work with, and that's what my books are about. Like, I want people to get, they are one-of-a-kind. There is no one like them. And they don't have to try to, to prove something to have the relationship they want. If you show up as yourself, you're going to naturally attract the relationship you want. Frederick, what are some of the steps or stages that are involved in uh, developing uh, self-love? Well, I think, well, here's the bottom line. Anytime you feel negative, you're not loving yourself. Now, the thing about feeling negative is we have a whole mental health system set up around the idea that if you feel negative, we're going to label it, we're going to box it, and we're going to come to you from the point there's something wrong with you and you're going to need us to treat you and we're going to need uh, us, you know, 
to put you in therapy and for you to take these pills. When the bottom line is a negative feeling is nothing more than an alert signal that you're thinking the wrong thoughts for you. That's all. A negative feeling is nothing more than an alert signal that you're thinking the wrong, wrong thoughts for you and to shift to thoughts that make you feel good. So I, you know, one of the, so the, the in fact, when you, the book 299 Life Insights, when people go there to Amazon, if you look at the sample, you can download a sample or you can read a sample online, 36 of the 299 insights are right there, and some of them deal with relationships. The, for an example, any thought that makes you feel negative is the wrong thought for you. Most of my insights are very obvious, except nobody's put them down on paper. So, uh, but, but I think that's, that's the whole thing. It's just really simple. If you feel negative, you're not loving yourself. And here's the thing. A lot of the things that make you feel negative, in fact, I would say 99% of the things that make you feel negative are not even your fault. These are thoughts that are coming from your subconscious mind that have been programmed into you since you were born. And what happens, you, you ever have the thoughts where you feel like something, like they're not your thoughts, you think like somebody, somebody said it to me, no, I feel like I have a demon in my head. Or I feel like I have a critic in my head. And it's true, we do have a critic in our head, but, but this is stuff that was programmed into us, and it gets replayed out of our subconscious mind. But what happens is we think it's us, and it's not us. I mean, we're, there's nothing wrong with us. I mean, we are not flawed or defective in any way. But if you believe that you are, if you buy into the program that something's wrong with you, then you're going to spend your life trying to figure out what's wrong with you. And so I went through that whole thing. It's like I was programmed very early that there's something wrong with me. <clears throat> in fact, my parents, when I was in the service, I, I got sick. I was like 19. I got sick in the service. And when I came home, my parents were worried about me, and they sent me to a psychiatrist. They were convinced that something was wrong with me. And then the psychiatrist tried to convince me that something was wrong with me, except that I knew that there wasn't anything wrong with me. But then I had my dots because, look, these people who love me, if, if these people who love me told me there's something wrong with me, they had to be right. Well, no, that people who love you don't necessarily have to be right. They're just, they're worried or they come from fear, so they're concerned or, you know, or, or they're overly protective. And so what, you know, so what I had to do is I had to discover that it's okay to live your own truth, that our journey in life is discovering our truth, what works for us, what makes us feel powerful, what makes us feel inspired, what makes us feel happy, and live that truth. And we don't have to prove anything to anybody. So it's like whatever I am in terms of my personality, whatever I am in terms of my sexual preference, it doesn't matter. It's, my, it's me. It's my life. I don't care if anybody likes it or not. You know, so I don't, I don't, I don't get in any causes, you know. I am a human being. Uh, I have a sexual preference. It's mine. I don't care if people like it or not. That's not my problem. Uh, I have a certain religious belief or spiritual belief. I don't care if anybody else believes it. As long as you are happy with what you believe, then you've succeeded in what I consider nirvana on earth. But you have to be happy with what you believe. Because if you're not, you're going to be miserable and you're going to make other people miserable too. Well, just like you know, so many people have come down so hard on Caitlyn Jenner. You know, for what uh, what she's done, and uh, but it's like, you know, I, I watched the special with Bruce Jenner on television, and you know, I sat there and listened to it with an open mind, and it's like I, 
I had to put myself in his shoes. You know, it's, what if I had been, you know, you know, had a, a man trapped inside of my body? You right. know, what would I be able to do about it? Well, I wouldn't have had the money or the resources or anything to do anything about it. So, therefore, I would have spent, you know, a, a you know, a horrible life. So, you know, I have to give him credit to step out and be as brave as he was for what he did. But, you know, other people just found on him like it's something brand new. But, you know, I think the first what transsexual uh, operation was done back in the, I believe, the 60s. Uh, you know, and yeah, it's just, yeah, to me, yeah. I just, I don't understand that. It's like, it's his life or her life. Let her live it. Well, I think the problem is, is we have a lot of people that are um, a programmed uh, with, uh, as, uh, in, in a way that they have a narrow mind that, 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 that actually what happens is they're threatened by other beliefs. In other words, what, what happens is if you have somebody that's heterosexual and that's all they know and that's all they're brought up with and they're told repeatedly that that's the only lifestyle that's acceptable, then when somebody shows up that's not heterosexual, it, it threatens their beliefs. And so rather than just seeing the person as a human being, it's like, okay, I knew Bruce Jenner when he was Bruce Jenner, and now he's Caitlin. That's the way it is. I have no problem with people being the way they are. I don't, now, here's the other thing. I also don't have to like how people are, but I don't have a problem with it, and I don't make them wrong for being that way. I can yeah. still not like how somebody is, but yeah. I also owe it to them to be respectful of their choice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't you have know, to call them hateful names or, you know, right. anything like that. It's just like, well, you know, you you could say, you know, I don't agree with what you're doing, but you know, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Yeah, well, but, and here's, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. People challenge your beliefs. In other words, they make you wrong for how you are because it, this is the reason why people criticize people because they're trying to control their thinking or their behavior. That's the only purpose of a critic. When somebody criticizes you, they're trying to control your thinking or behavior. And so you've got to – and I don't fight with critics. I mean, I had my share – in fact, years ago when I started writing, I, I, I tell the story over because this really set me straight about critics. I wrote an article about powerful women, and this was, I would say, maybe hmm, between 15, 20 years ago, and put it up on the Internet. And I would say within an hour, and this is, the Internet was much more intimate back then, about 15, 20 years ago. Within an hour, I got a letter from um, this lady. She was a Ph.D. And it was a two-page letter that I received, email, single space. And she tore me a new one. She told me it was the worst damn article she ever saw. And I who the hell am I? And she's a doctor, and I don't know what the hell I'm talking you know, PhD, and I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. This goes on and on and on. And i got to tell you, I'm devastated. You know, by the time I get to the end, it's like, because I thought this was, the, you know, and I showed, I showed this article to my mother, and I shared it with a couple of my women friends, and they thought it was pretty good. But here, this, this, this lady's a PhD. I'm not a PhD. I've flung down a college, you know. It's like, who am I, you know? But, well, I have strong opinions based on life experiences. Anyhow, so by the time, I, you know, I'm there, it, it, almost, it almost ended my writing career right there. But the funny thing was, five minutes later, after I, five minutes after I finished that letter, I got another letter. It was two pages long. It was by a well-known published author, female. So these are both females. And the second person who sent me the second letter, the female, the author, praised it as the best article she ever saw written about the power of women. 
uh-huh. the same it's the same article, two completely different opinions. One person thought it was the greatest thing in the world, and the other person thought it was a piece of crap. And from that point on, it's everybody like, just has a different viewpoint. That's right. Everybody has a different viewpoint, and and where I am is I allow people to have their different viewpoints. I do not argue with people. I, I, if a person insists on arguing with me, I just I give them my silence. I will not argue. There's no because it's, nothing comes out. See, arguments is, is is more like an ego thing. It's like if, if people sometimes have to make somebody wrong so they can make themselves right so they can feel good. That's where self love comes in because if you love yourself sufficiently. You're fine with how everybody is. I mean, I'm fine with everybody. I mean, people are going crazy. I mean, they're, they're divisive. I mean, this election thing is just nuts. I mean, people are just tearing oh, Trump yeah. apart. And it goes on and <laughs> on. It's like, I, I am fine with how they all are. You know, they, I, really. And if you step back and see the bigger picture, but see, people don't want to see the bigger picture. And, and people resort yeah. to violence because they think that's the answer. No. I'll tell you what. Violence has never made the world a better place. It has, I don't. I, I just that I don't get. I don't get the violence mentality. And and yeah, it's I not agree. Like I'm, you know, it's not I like agree. I'm a, that. I'm not not a physical person. I played football for I guess what nine years. I was in the military as an air policeman, so I know all about violence. But I, I don't. I just. I see violence as a um, uh, a reaction, as a primitive fight or flight mechanism. And so, and and I and I don't like labels. It's like it's not about you know. It's like as soon as you say black people, white people, then you set up a division. No, we're all human beings. We're all people. We all want the same thing. There is not one person that doesn't want the same thing. They want love. They want to feel safe. They want to have a de- decent life. You know. Uh, yeah, they want to be happy. Be, right. We want to be happy. So fighting with each other is not going to make anybody happy. And 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 I, I, so I don't I, I just don't understand it. I mean, it's like and I and actually, what happens? The more you love yourself, the more the world around you becomes one big reality show. It's like this election is like the biggest reality show I have ever seen in my entire life. I know, and, Mr. Trump really loves himself. Well, I, I don't. I, to tell you the truth, I don't. You know, he is. He, I don't know how he can do what he does. It's like I. I, mean, I know. I, it's, it's, it's been so entertaining. It really has. It's, oh, it is entertaining. I've watched, I've watched every debate, and I've watched everything on CNN, and usually I'm not that big into the election, but since I'm 62, I realize that this is going to be, you know, a very pivotal election, you know, in my lifetime. Right. As far as Social Security and Medicare and, you know, the whole deal. So we're going to have to be very careful, you know, who we elect this time. As far as I'm concerned, now well, other well, people may not feel that way. <laughs> the, the problem is, is I don't see any candidates out there that I want to elect. I actually, well, I actually yeah, am running for true, president myself. I, I, I have posted up my blog. You know, it's going uh, to come down to the lesser of two evils, I think. Well, and that's usually what happens, which is sad. But I actually think, you know, I, people would disagree with me, and, and I could be wrong, um, but I think Trump knows exactly what he's doing. And, and, and I think that if he becomes president, he is going to surprise a lot of people. Because when I say he knows exactly what he's doing, the reason why he's so successful is because people are fed up with politics as usual. So they are for him for two reasons. One, he's not a politician, and boy, that's for sure. He's not politically correct in any way. 
Oh. Two, he's the voice for a hell of a lot of angry people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they're all they're all in his audience. You know, they're out there beating each other up at his yeah. rallies and stuff. And it's oh just, yeah, I mean, on the news, it's just ridiculous. You know? I know, and and and, and but the, but the anger is because we've had a government that has forgotten about who their who their employer is, and that's us. You know, it's it's the government by the people for the people, and it, and it, they don't act that way. And somebody said one of the somebody said a law should be passed where that 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 the same rules apply to people that govern us as ourselves. For an example, instead of them having being special, see they don't. For an example, the people in Congress they don't have Social Security. They have their own pension plan, which is tremendously better than what we got. They have their own medical plan, much better than what we have. So there's this double standard, you know. So, but we'll see. Oh we'll yeah. See. And here's oh, yeah. the thing: is I, I look at it this way. All this stuff, all this talk about politics and that, as long as, you know, you can do what you want to do with your life, as long as you're making enough money that you can do what you want to do with your life and you can live in peace with your neighbors, that's all it counts. It's like, you know, I stop at the red lights, I pay my taxes, you know, I make sure that I stay out of the areas where, where there's lots of trouble. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously there's bad areas to go, but... Uh, you know, pe- people pretty much live their lives independent of the government. If you think about that, mm-hmm. um, I, 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 but and he had some good ideas. I mean, I, I like the idea of not paying so much taxes. I think most of us do. But you know, everybody has an opinion. And, his, and the thing about my opinion, no matter what my opinion is, it's not going to make any difference as to the yeah. how it turns out. Yeah. And, and you may have the exact opposite opinion of mine, but I'm not going to yell and scream and curse at you for it. Because that's your right. Exactly. And that's the thing. Everybody, you know, there is a right to free speech, but that includes yeah. being respectful of another person's opinion. Yes. Yes. You know, when I see people, yeah. you know. Well, just like strong... all the candidates, you know, I, I won't make fun. I mean, I did say something about Mr. Trump. He right. apparently does love himself, but, you know, that was kind of in fun. But you right, know, I right. could have said something much worse than that. But I wouldn't, I don't want to disrespect any of the candidates. You yeah, know, exactly. there's there's no point in it. Well, and yeah, some I mean, of them I, I actually do feel sorry for. You know, like poor Mr. Kasich, he barely gets any time at all on the debates. And when well, he does get up there, he just he basically turns into a blithering idiot because, you know, he's so rabid to get his views out in such a short amount of time that, you know, it's just pitiful to watch. Yeah, I... I I think the whole thing, to some degree, is a setup in the sense that you know, if it was real, if we really got to elect who we wanted, I think everybody in each state should be able to throw in their hat and say, "This is who I want." Instead of having two or three candidates, maybe you have a hundred of them, and and eventually it filters down to one person. You know, uh, yeah. but I guess, and and also this electoral electoral college thing, mm-hmm. they they need to get rid of that. I mean, people should be. Elected in office by popular vote. That didn't yeah. happen with, I think, was it George Bush Jr., senior? I mean, not senior, junior. Uh, that didn't happen. He got, no, Gore actually won the popular vote, but Bush got into office. Um, but the thing about the whole politics, like, you got to watch, like, you and me can talk about it. <laughs> you, you know, anybody, who, we have no idea. There, there could be people out there in the audience right now listening to us have this discussion who are arguing like hell in their heads with us, you know? Yeah. Because, because politics are very, very uh, volatile, you know. Uh, but but for myself, it's like, I, I guess I guess the thing is, 
I only have control over my life, for sure. I have control over what I think, I have control over what I feel, and I have control over my actions. So why am I going to put my energy in getting upset with people that I have no control over? That's the reason I don't protest things. I don't have control over uh, what other people do. I don't have I mean, we just had this, I mean, one of the things, I guess my biggest thing is that we have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, violence, murders, and and drug problems in in the country. And a lot of people are hurting a lot of people, even in small towns. And I don't understand that mentality of violence as an answer to a problem, because it's not. But I have no power over that. So what I I know, I I live just like three hours south of Chicago, and of course they have you know, massive killings up there, you know, almost every weekend. There's just, you know, be a dozen people killed on a weekend. Right, right. And, uh, you know, you, you just don't understand it. But but then, I won't go into it, but then when you put yourself in other people's shoes, sometimes you do understand it. Well, I think part of it is, yeah, it's, there's the whole, I guess, dynamics of the environment. It's like, mm-hmm. it, it, if you're brought up to believe that... Uh, um, somebody is your enemy, then that's what you believe, you know? Yeah. I, But yeah. the thing for myself is that I know that anything that, I guess the bottom line, anything that makes it, I don't blame anybody for anything because that's when you have no power. As soon as you start blaming anybody for anything, you lose all your power. So I'm responsible for what I say, what I think, what I feel, and what I do. And And, with, and, and, and yeah, I've had people do things and say things to me I don't like, but I and I've done verbal, you know, I've gone to verbal war with people, and I've won a lot of those battles. But in the end, I I didn't win anything. I lost friends over those. So I have learned that, the, you know, my job is to make the world right on the inside, and then share what I know that works for me with with other people, with my kids and with my grandkids. And uh, for anybody reading my books, you know, my my Frederick, would it be yes. correct to say that one of the things that your books attempts to do is to help people to look at and analyze their beliefs and to question some of their beliefs? I, I think in part, I, I I try to write in a way where when people read my insights, they're what I call no brainers. It's like, oh wow, yeah, that applies to my life. I understand that. I my intention is that when people read my stuff when they're finished, they have a more peaceful life. When they're finished, they feel more empowered. When they're finished, they understand that the only thing that can make them ever feel bad is their own thoughts or their thoughts about other people's thoughts, but still their thoughts. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. Nothing can hurt you except your own thoughts. I mean, really, nothing. You know, and your thoughts, depending on how you're thinking, can, can lead you to take actions that can cause you to get hurt. So it all for me it all starts with my thoughts and and it's kind of ironic because my my mother named me Frederick and I didn't find out till years later why she named me that that's actually a, my mother I'm, I'm, my dad was Italian my mother was German so uh, that's a German name but when you translate Frederick from the German it means peaceful ruler and uh, yeah, back in history there was a Frederick the Great yeah there was a Frederick the Great. Uh, but the thing about the peaceful ruler is that I, it, I, I kind of, be, it, my name became my own self-fulfilling prophecy. So I am a peaceful ruler only of myself and, and of my thoughts and feelings. You know, so I rule over those. 
I have reactions, not nearly like I used to, because what a reaction is is something that uh, goes off in your subconscious mind on automatic pilot. And, well, and uh, given, given that many, many people are simply operating on automatic pilot with those endless loops, the feedback tapes, you know, of their, their parents and, and their environment and siblings and teachers and what have you, in some ways, wouldn't you also say that your books do for some people serve as a wake-up call? Well, it does, you know, uh, and it's not for everybody. And that's the reason why, uh, you know, for an example, in, in both of them, there's, there's pretty substantial samples for them to read because by the time, by time they've read the samples, they'll know whether that book is their cup of tea. And, um, and all, you know, and so, so the, so the, I, I you know, most people say, I, I, I have, I, my life is devoting full time to observing people, observing life. And then, you know, writing, writing the thoughts that come to me that make my life more powerful, more peaceful, more healthy, more prosperous. For example, one of the things that's written in one of the books is I think it's the first or second. Maybe I, sometimes I repeat certain thoughts if they're really important. But, but here's the thing that, that most people don't know. Uh-huh. If, this, if I could get this out to everybody, this would be the probably the most important message about our thinking that I that I would like to get out to people, and it's this: science has proven that our brain translates every thought we think into a chemical equivalent, and then by way of a messenger molecule delivers those chemicals for better or worse to every cell in our body. Now, that discovery has enormous implications. In other words, we have a pharmacy in our head. And so if you think a positive thought, the brain translates that into a positive chemical that enhances your life, that that makes you healthier, that makes you feel better, that makes you feel stronger, that makes you feel more energetic. Uh, by the same token, and, and, if, and all people have to do to see that this is true is just observe how thinking certain thoughts make them feel good and certain thoughts make them feel bad. Certain thoughts strengthen people, certain thoughts weaken people. And why that is happening is because the brain is translating that positive thought or that negative thought into a chemical equivalent and, and delivering it to every cell of the body. So if you're thinking depressing thoughts, you're going to feel depressed. If you're thinking hopeful thoughts, you're going to feel hopeful, but but this is a, this is a scientific um, breakthrough in the terms of understanding why we feel the way we feel, and that's the one message for me alone. That once I discovered that, that made the biggest change in my life. Why? Well, you mean to tell me my thoughts? You know, three four decades ago, they they discovered the endorphins that are released by the pineal gland. You know, the feel good chemicals that you experience and some people call it runners out of the long distance runners when they they just feel so great and so good so absolutely there are chemicals released by the brain that affect our our full well-being our our sense of well-being yeah absolutely and 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 but i think that where we have to be conscious or more aware is where we run into the when we start think, when we start interacting with other people's thoughts, it's like so many people. For an example, we'll go back to Trump. Trump is great at pushing people's buttons. I mean, he pushes the hell out of people's buttons, and they react. I actually, when I watch Trump, it, to me, it's an incredible entertainment. I mean, he's actually very yeah. funny because I don't get upset about it. 
it's like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I I watch him as a master, I, as a showman. He's a master showman. I mean, he has he has more experience than any candidate out there in manipulating the media. I mean, how how many years did he have the Celebrity Apprentice? You know, yes, yes. <laughs> that was his rehearsal for running for the president. He is, and 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 I, and the thing that he has done, I think the good thing is he's got a lot of people interested in politics that were never interested yeah. before. Yeah, they said that people are you know signing up to vote in droves. That, yeah, you know, have absolutely. never even voted before, and uh, exactly. they they say that Trump is doing a lot of that, and I believe it. And, and, and he's he's, saying, he's getting he's people things, fired up. Exactly, and he's also saying things that people think, but they don't talk about. Yeah, you can't say. Yeah. So, for example, I, I wrote something today. I posted. I I I I I posted. I said um, I was a fill in the blank, and it says in the in the sentence was. I am tired of blank people blaming blank people for everything that goes wrong. And then you have to fill in the blank about what kind of people. Because cause the thing is that when you blame people for for anything, it keeps the pain stuck to you. See, people blame because they're in pain. But the longer you blame people, the more you're in pain. You can't get rid of pain as long as you're blaming someone. So so one of the things that I'm tired and, and, and one of the things I'm really tired with is for any group blaming any other group. It's like let's uh, let's quit blaming the Muslims. Let's quit blaming the Christians. Let's quit blaming the whites, and let's quit blaming the blacks because that doesn't solve anything. In every nationality and every religion, we got good people and we got bad people. It's the bottom line, you know. But as well, soon the, as, uh, as yeah, yeah. the blame game, the passing the buck game, that's just a, a way of averting personal responsibility. Is what oh, that absolutely. is. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I guess the other thing is that we don't teach these kind of uh, personal responsibility attitudes in schools at all. You know, mm-hmm. got, we don't teach kids about how to be responsible for their emotions, how to handle their reactions. We don't. Well, you know, you em- know, for years, you know, they had to be so politically correct in the schools. You know, it's like, oh well, we can't have a little little competition where the only one that wins is Bobby. You know, the whole class has to win. You know, and so therefore, kids, when you know they they fail, then they don't they don't take the responsibility for their own failure. Oh, absolutely! I, I you know I went to a place. I I got a pizza. I went into this new pizza place the other day. This guy had to be thirty some years old, thirty five maybe at least. And uh, so I I didn't want to, you know. Apparently, he knew how to handle just a normal pizza order. But what I wanted was large pizza, and I wanted three ingredients on the one side and four ingredients on the other side. And they were all different, of course. He could not add up how much that order cost me. He, he tried. Oh, yeah. He was, they can't make change. Them. They can't make change. And if, and, if, uh-uh. and if the computer goes down and the register goes down, they're screwed. They're, you know? Yeah, they have to close uh, up. <laughs> and that's just absolutely ridiculous. I know. The I know. simplest really thing is. in the world is to teach someone how to make change. Yeah, I know. And... Uh, and so I don't know. It's, it's it's you know we're in an evolution. I mean we're in a human evolution. Obviously, I mean and, yeah. And and computers have a lot to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. The social media has changed everything. You know. Uh, and and so I don't know. I so it's it's kind of you know, like I said. It's life right now is the biggest reality show on, on the in the universe. And uh, and you can spend your time being upset and being miserable, or you can take full responsibility for your life. Realize. I mean, I can't solve the drug problem. I can't solve the violence problem. I can't solve the black problem. I can't solve the white problem. 
And I can't solve the budget deficit, but what I can do is be a role model for my kids and my grandkids and for the people that know me. And so I try yeah. to write in a way that when people walk away from the stuff that I write, they feel inspired and empowered to live the most successful life they can and the happiest life they can because they're beginning to realize what's more important than anything else is their attitude. Not, you know, because regardless of how they feel about any of the people running for office right now, it's not going to change. I mean, whoever's going to get elected is going to get elected. And so all that upset is like for naught. Life's too short to be upset, I guess. That's my whole thing. It's like, what? You know, life's supposed to be fun. Well, I think, too, that people have to realize that, you know, you have to learn how to, in in certain ways, conform to society and able to get along with society. You know, how to act with people and treat people and, you know, be respectful of people. And you see that so much in the young people anymore, they don't seem to, they don't get that. They don't get that at all. No, they don't. Well, they're not brought up to be respectful. Uh -uh. You know, it's kind of like we have, like, the golden rule, doing to others as others do unto you, as you would have yeah. others do it. I mean, that's a real simple thing. And if we thing. didn't do it, it was beat into us. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But the thing about the rule, it's like, it's real simple. I treat people the way I want to be treated. Yeah. I mean, how that's hard right. is that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, I, I, but I guess the thing, and I don't, you know, I mean, I know that the problem is huge. It's like, you know, you see all these horrific acts of violence and that. that I, and I guess here's the thing. We have a huge, probably in this country more than any other country, we have a huge drug problem. Now, I, I've asked myself the question, what, what is the cause of the drug problem? And, my, and, and this may be too simplistic, but I think what causes the drug problem is nobody wants to deal with their feelings. It's like, why are you taking drugs? They're yeah. taking drugs to be high. Yeah. They're taking drugs that feel good. Yeah. Because they feel well, so I awful. Well, I still have friends that smoke dope. And they're in their 60s. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, I just don't get that. You know, oh, well, it makes me sleep better. You know, it makes me feel better. And it's like, I'm 62. You know, I don't need it. But yeah, I just I, don't understand that at all. I, well, I don't either. Now, you know, and, of course, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know how I feel. I, I'm, I'm kind of neutral about marijuana. I kind of look at marijuana like cigarettes, you know, cigarettes, uh, and I used to smoke, and I don't smoke anymore. And 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 one of the, the studies did prove, for an example, people. It, it, one of the studies about cigarettes was that people who smoke oftentimes are, are using that as a way to deal with depression. They also use it as a way to maintain their weight, to not gain weight. In other words, it's a people self-medicate. I guess. And the other thing is that whatever people are doing, even if they are smoking marijuana, or even if they are drinking, even if they are eating the wrong things. What people are doing is they're taking the best care of themselves that they know how. Now, yeah. granted... They're making themselves probably, feel good. Right. Now, granted, there may be better ways, but that's the way that they know. So, uh, you know, I, 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 it's, you know, it's, it's like... I, I guess my bottom line is, you want, you want to do drugs? Fine, as long as you don't harm anybody else. I don't care. You know, you want to drink? Uh, fine, as long as you don't get in the car and kill somebody, I don't care. But, like, you know, you were just you were talking about in the beginning. You know that there's been so much so much influx of drugs into this country, right. and you know I I think that that is why, you know because, uh, you know people, I don't know people just don't seem to want to deal with reality, at well, all. They don't want to they don't want to deal with their feelings because nobody has ever taught them how to deal with their feelings. I mean, that's the thing. Nobody has ever taught people how to deal with their negative feelings. They've made negative feelings. And, 
well, <clears throat> let me put it this way: we have a whole mental health system that I that I I am suspect of. I'm, I'm suspect of it because it comes from the fact that the implied thing is if you feel negative, there's something wrong with you. You're defective or you're flawed. You need to uh-huh. go to a therapist. You need to take pills. And who in the hell wants to do that? Nobody really wants to do that. So, and I'll so, tell you, most of these psychologists and the psychiatrists, I was around a few after my last divorce, and right. most of them are a bunch of educated idiots. And after a year of so-called therapy, you know, so that I wouldn't kill myself, you know, I finally realized it's like, hey, you know, I'm on my own here, and I'm either going to have to get better or not. You know, right. and I just took my life into my own hands, you know, and did fine. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, that's the thing. If, if, when people get that they have to take their life into their own hands, then their life changes for the better. Because I have to laugh when you're talking about because when I came out of the service, my parents, they were worried. They sent me to a psychiatrist for a year. Uh, well, it wasn't a year because it was six months. They wanted me to go for a year. But but, but when I went there, you know, I, I, he, all he wanted to do was he wanted me to talk and talk. He never wanted to tell me anything. And it's like, you know, after a while, I began to think that he's yeah. the crazy one. And I remember asking him, I said, well, there were two questions. I, I said, says, how, how do I know you're not crazy? The psychiatrist, he says, you don't. And then he went on to tell me, he says, percentage-wise, more psychiatrists commit suicide than the average population. Well, that didn't instill a lot of confidence. Then I asked him, how long do I have to come here? And he said, well, let me talk to your, my, my associate, you know, my, my partner in my practice, and I'll get back to you next week. And when I come back the following week, he said, well, I talked to my partner. He says, we're going to put you into psychoanalysis. I don't know what the hell that was. And it's going to take three years, and it's going to cost you $15,000. And I stood bolt upright, and I said, I'm cured. And I walked out of that office, and I never never looked back. Well, uh, what really got me was one of them that, uh, you know, I was in therapy with, you know, he said, well, uh, he said, apparently as a child you were sexually abused. And I said, I looked at him, and I said, no, I wasn't. And he goes, well, yeah, you know, you had to have been. I said, I come to you about marriage counseling, and I said, if I had been sexually abused as a child, I'm sure I would know it. And I said, I never have been. And just I realized then it's just like that's just something that he was told to say by rote, apparently. Yeah, yeah. well, there's you a know, lot of that. Because, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like you said, there's something wrong with you. Right, well, you know. but that's – in order for a therapist to justify their existence, there has to be something wrong with you. Yeah. And they made a big deal out of negativity. Negativity, is, in, in the simplest, is just this. It's an alert signal that you're thinking the wrong thoughts for you. That's all negativity is. I don't care how negative it is. It, it's just yeah. you're thinking the wrong thoughts for you. It's an and the only thing wrong with me should... was that I was terribly, terribly sad. Yeah. You know, and it, it was understandable. You know, and Absolutely. then finally after a year, you know, I got over it. But... You know, other people, sure. I guess, will stay in therapy for years. Well, they do because here's here's the thing. It's like they've got – and it's set, the game is set up to keep people in therapy for years. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, because – Well, you know, what, 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 the what, money what, would if, what would happen if you took the money out of the equation? What would happen yeah. if, if people yeah. didn't get paid – if you went to therapy and the therapist didn't get paid? Man, they would have you yeah. cured in a week. Or or let's, if, if it was set up that, that – well, We'll pay for three sessions. I guarantee you there would be more progress made in those three sessions. Yeah. Uh, 
And well, I, I, I tell you, I, I I didn't want to uh, the company I was working for. I didn't want to have to bill the insurance to them because it was like a hundred and fifty dollars every time I went to see him. Yeah, you know, oh, to, yeah. in my mind, it was ridiculous. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, well, and, and and back a few years back, there was a study done too, and this appeared in Psychology Today or something similar to that. Along the lines, they took a control group of people who received no therapy whatsoever who were clinically depressed, and then they compared it six months later to a group of people who did receive the therapy, and the same percentage of people had snapped out of it and were feeling good again at the end of six months or a year, you know, in the, in the group of therapy people as the ones who weren't receiving therapy. It gives you a lot to think about. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised, you know, because uh, the whole, you know, they call they call the mental health profession, they call the people. And, and, and look, there, there are people, I'm, I'm, I'm not putting everybody down. There are good people who are good intention, who are really there to help the best that they can. But the thing about the mental health business, the psychiatrist and the psychologist, they have a practice. They're practicing. They don't know, but they don't deal with basics. They don't deal with basic. You know, they, they make everything complicated, and I guess that's the thing. That, that I do in my writings. I make everything simple because complicated thinking causes people pain, conflict, and confusion, whereas simple thinking brings clarity of thought. And what people want more than anything is to be able to think clearly. And if, if you believe, and I guess the other thing is, if you believe that somebody has, if somebody is an expert, if you believe that somebody outside of yourself is the expert in your life, you can never be a powerful person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, and that, and that, that's the, I call giving your power away. See, we grew up, and in order to survive, we gave all of our power away to the authority people in our lives, our parents, our teachers, our ministers, da-da-da-da-da-da. But when you have 20, when you become 21, then you have the opportunity to start reclaiming all your power. Because as an, and, and one of the bad practices that we have is parents, God bless all parents, and God, I'm one myself, and I've done this myself, is that we reward children for bad behavior. It's like if they're acting up, we buy them off. We buy them candy. We buy them a gift. Now the problem, and, and so what happens is kids learn very early if they if they if they act up if they take tantrums they're going to get what they want and that's fine growing up because parents love their children to the point they'll give them anything but in the real world you don't get rewarded for bad behavior and I think I think people don't think about that they you know it's like well I they work with mom and dad I probably work with my girlfriend probably work with my boyfriend probably work with my boss. No, that's what causes all the drama. Because once we become so-called adults, we get paid for good behavior, not bad behavior. So, uh, but again, I don't have any control over what anybody else does, whatever what anybody else thinks, what anybody else feels, whatever anybody else believes. I just have power over myself, and and all I do is I just share what works for me, and I share that in uh, in uh, some groups I have on Facebook, and I share that in my books. And people, they can accept it, they can reject it, and I'm fine either way. I, you know, I, I no longer, I guess another lesson I learned a, a long time ago that made a big difference is that I could either care about people or I could care about what they thought of me, and I could not have it both ways. 
Mm-hmm. So I had mm-hmm. the, I had the choice between that, and I decided I passionately love people. I care about people, but I don't give a rat's ass about what anybody thinks of me. Because as soon as you start worrying about what people think of you, it stops you from being yourself. And 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 and, when, when, and it stops you from fully expressing yourself, and it stops you from being yourself. See, when you don't care what people think of you, then you can be yourself. And here's what happens: when you're fully yourself, you're, people there'll be no in between. I see people love me or they hate me. There is no in between. You know, people are very clear. I really like Frederick, or I really can't stand that. You know, he's an arrogant SOB or whatever you want to say. I mean, I've had. We talked about this earlier. I mean, I. I have I have one lady who's been following me for years. She calls me. I had a laugh when she told me this. She says that I'm her Jesus. I said, you've got to be kidding me. You know, it's like I'm nobody's Jesus. I'm just me. Uh, but I think that. But I think that. You know, in other words, I'm comfortable in my own skin, and I think that's what people want. They want to be comfortable in their own skin, and I think lots of people aren't. And certainly, people are taking drugs. They're not comfortable in their own skin at all because if they were, they wouldn't be taking drugs in the first place. Yeah. Or drinking like fish. Yeah, yeah. This is, all this stuff is to, not, is to avoid dealing with negative feelings. That's what it's all about. And, and, the thing, and that's a result of not, you know, that's a result of suppressing, suppressing, suppressing. See, if, if you feel that you have to suppress negative feelings, then they're going to get stronger. But if you can express them safely, they get weaker. If you can embrace them, they disappear completely. So, but, but the, but the, so it takes a little longer mentally to, to make that adjustment, to go from feeling bad to feeling good, whereas you can pop a pill and feel good in a second. But I'd sooner take the, you know, the, the longer method. It, it may take me longer to make a mental adjustment, but once I have it, it lasts me for the rest of my life. And it's cheap. It didn't cost me an arm and a leg to buy drugs, you know. It's cheap. So, yeah. um, Have you observed that a number of people who are – and having better and more, more fulfilling lives when they, they do utilize some of the basic uh, things that you're teaching, some of the very obvious truths that you're bringing out in your books. Oh, I, people write me all the time about how, how good their lives get. And I, and, I, and I always kind of smile because all I'm doing is sharing with them what works in my life. And, and, and I tell them this. I said, look, my life is not about it. I don't have any allegiance to a political party. I have no allegiance to a religion. I have no allegiance to any dogma or doctrine. The only allegiance I have is to what works. And that's what my life has been about, finding what works for me and keeping it and what doesn't work, I throw out. And that's what I, and, and my life is about inspiring and empowering people to discover what works for them. See, any belief that makes you feel bad is the wrong belief for you. That's what I tell people. You know, people, we die for our beliefs. People have, people, God, people, that's one of the problems we have about all the war and conflict. People are dying because of their beliefs. They're going to war over a belief. That's about as, that's about as much insanity as I can I can I can't I can't even comprehend. You know, mm-hmm. dying for your belief. But but this has been going on since the beginning of time. Um, but I, I I think people want to be in peace with themselves. I, yeah. Once you accept you, and I, that, that's one of the things I tell people, once you accept yourself exactly as you are, then you're in peace. See, and, and all of us are both saints and sinners. You know, I have a very saintly side, and I'm a sinner too, and I know that. And I live in peace and harmony with both sides. You know, it's just I'm fine. I am fine with being what I am. Now, that didn't happen overnight, but it happened over time because it's like, 
I was willing to think on my own. That's the other thing I encourage people. Think on your own. You know, I don't want people to agree with me. You know, if I, I share lots of stuff. <coughs> Excuse me, I put lots of stuff out there. But if I, what I want people to do is stand up for themselves and speak their truth. I want to know their truth because only when people are truthful with each other is progress made. And, and when people are arguing, they're not being truthful. They're concealing their truth. You know, for an example, I, I you know, we have a, we have a, as you know, in this country, we have a big, uh, you know, problem in the blacks and the whites. But the truth is, I think we're scared of each other. That's what I think is really underneath it. I think, oh, yeah. I think the blacks are scared of the whites, and I think the whites are scared of the blacks, and we don't talk about that. And, and, and people had better start to learn to live together because I believe, this is just my belief, that in the next 20, 30, or 50 years, most of the country is going to be brown. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I people it's, it's, had better learn to live together and accept well, that, each other for what they are. Right, and we need to get rid of all the labels of Hispanic and black and Muslim and that. We're human beings. We all are human beings. You know, there's, you know I don't care what you name you. I don't care what you call your God. There's, there's just one God that we know of. It's a thousand different names. I don't want to argue over what your God is. I say this. For me, it gets real simple. Any thought that makes me feel good is a thought from my God. Any thought that makes me feel bad is not. It's real simple. You know, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't think, uh, uh, you know, uh, you've got to think for yourself. I, that's the bottom line. And, yeah. and, and pe- people who are and I'm an, evo- I'm an evolutionist. <laughs> right. So, but I don't care what you believe. I don't care what anybody believes. You know, it's just everybody is entitled to their own opinion and their own belief. That's exactly. the way I look at it. And I agree with that, you know, and, 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 there's, and there's lots of things that people say that, that I don't agree with, and I'm fine. That it's different. I guess the thing is, if you are anchored in your own truth, if you know what's true for you based on your personal experience, then you're not threatened by what anybody else says. You know, I don't, you know, I don't, whatever people say, you know, it doesn't bother me because I know what's true for me. And I'm not asking people to believe what I believe. I don't care for them to believe what I believe. I want them to believe what makes them feel good, what makes them feel secure, what makes them empowered, what makes them feel inspired. I just, I really just get off and seeing people happy. And so, you know, uh, I'm happy and, and I write, a, essentially everything in my writings make people happy. I, that's, if you, if and speaking, to, speaking of your writing, Frederick, we have yes. about two, two minutes left in the show. And okay. before we go off the air, I would like for you to tell everybody the names of your books and where they can find your books. Okay, they can find them on Amazon.com. Uh, mm-hmm. The first the first book is called uh, Love is All I Know. And the second book is called 299 Life Insights from the Wizard. And on both of those books, there's reviews that you can read there that, uh, you know, see what other people think about the books. Uh, they're real easy to read. I call them no-brainers. Um, I, I don't put a lot of fluff in it. There's all substance, all meat and potatoes. When you read my stuff from beginning to end, it's all meat and potatoes. I don't, I don't make up words just to make them longer. You know, I want people to get to the meat of it in a hurry. So, yeah, that's, so that's where they combine them, and that's the books. Frederick, I want to thank you, Frederick Zappone, for being our guest tonight, and I want to wish everyone a great evening. Good night. Good, Good night. night, Rich. Thank you. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.